but this series is called I Choose. Part three. Part three. Thank you, Jordan Sparks. Um, part one, we talk, Naya talked about choosing. Does anyone remember what our first options were, what we were choosing between? Uh, All right, so week one, we talked about choosing purpose over popularity. Last week, we talked about choosing, if you remember? Relationships over screens. And so the challenge was for you this, this year, you're going to choose your relationship with God and your relationship with others over your screens. And so we had two challenges. The first challenge was to slow down and to have moments where you just put your phone in airplane mode or left it at home or didn't look at it and you were fully present with people around you. Did anyone do that this week? Okay, we got some. Uh, the other challenge was when we wake up in the morning to look at our scriptures, to look at our physical Bibles before we look at our screen. Did anyone try that? Okay, this is good because it's bad that we can recognize that these are unhealthy patterns. If it was hard for you to do that, if it was hard for you to wake up in the morning and look at your physical Bible before your phone, that means we're addicted to our phones. Okay, so again, this week, it's the same challenge. What are you supposed to do this week? Just slow down, spend some time with actual people without your phone, and then every morning wake up and look at your Bible before you look at your phone. Okay, so that's going to be your challenge again this week. We are in the series on choices. Who are you? You are a sum total. Part of who you are, you are a sum total of every single choice that you have made in your life that leads up to today. Who will you be tomorrow? You will be a sum total of everything that you have done in your life, all the choices that you have made, plus the choices that you made today. So we're talking about making choices that honor God and that grow our character and that make us into the people who are mature and strong Christian believers. So that's why we're doing the series on choices. Today, um, we're starting off with this idea. You can choose some of your pain in your life. Um, in, Matthew, or in John, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Christianity, we are, um, we are a religion, we are a people who recognize that there is pain and crud that happens in the world. There is pain. Jesus recognized there's going to be pain. But there is some pain that's caused by ourselves. There's some pain that is caused because we made bad decisions. There's other pain that's caused because the world is broken, um, because creation is broken, because um, we have a, a, an enemy that wants to destroy and distract us. But there's other pain that we can choose. So you can choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Um, you can choose the pain of obeying your parents or the pain of having them take your phone away, right? You can choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. You can choose the pain of um, not eating those 15 donuts that you wanted to eat this morning, or you can choose the pain of regret when you just get the sugar rush and you, you throw up. Um, you can choose the pain of studying, or you can choose the pain of failing a class. You can choose the pain of practicing on a sports team, or you can choose the pain of sitting on the bench. Um, and so you can choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Here's what discipline is. Write this down. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Discipline is choosing what you want over what you want now. So what you want now might be now you really want to have that, that, that like three by three from in and out but what you want most is you want to be healthy, right? Maybe what you want now is you really want to hook up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, but what you want most is to have a healthy uh, marriage in the future. Maybe what you want um, most is to play a ton of video games, but what you, want, uh, what you want now is to play a ton of video games, but what you want most is to get into college um, and not spend every moment um, playing uh, that new Spider-Man video game, which is really cool. Um, so, um, but it's hard to choose. It's hard to choose what we want 
most over what we want now. Because now is awesome, and it's right here, and it's tasty, and it looks good, and it feels good, and it's chocolate-covered, and it will make you feel good for this moment, and there's immediate gratification for this, right? But we all know when we choose what we want now over what we want most, we usually have the pain of regret. I should have done this. Why didn't I do this? Um, Paul talks about this pain of regret when he says, um, I don't really understand myself. You put it on the screen. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I don't want to eat that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to text that. I don't want to respond in that way. I'm not going to do it this time, but I do it. <laughs> Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right. I know I should do it, but I can't. I, was, but I, I want to do what's good. I want to honor my parents. I want to, oh, this time's going to be different. I'm going to be nice to my brother and sister when they do but, oh, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody resonate with Paul and his wrestling and frustration, right? It's hard to choose what we want now over what we want most. Here's why. Imagine you have um, just your house, and um, it, it's beautiful, and you walk out your front door, and you're about to go get into a car on the way to school in the morning, okay? And in the front of your house, you have this awesome, amazing lawn. Your neighbors are so impressed by your lawn. And you don't really care about it, but your parents care about your lawn a lot because they work on it, and they have the gardeners go in there, and they put all this, like, sod down, and it's brand new. And it's beautiful, luscious, grass, okay? And your car is on the other side of the grass, okay? So you wake up in the morning, grass is in front of you, and you know what your dad has told you. Don't walk through the grass. Walk into the driveway. Walk down the driveway. Sidewalk. Little steps. Car. Boom, right? But here's the thing you find out. Man, when you wake up, you're like, you're late to class. And you, 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 need, you need to get there because you care. And um, you don't want to look, look dumb coming in 30 seconds late. And you know that if you walk across the grass, it's going to save you 30 seconds of time. Okay, so what do you do? You, you, you open, oh, good morning, day. And you say, and then you go. You go for the grass, okay? What a bad person you are. You go for the grass. Here's what happens. When you go, shut it down. When you go for what you want now, here's the thing. You're like, oh, this, this feels great. Oh, my dad's not yelling at me. No one's getting, no one, I'm not getting in trouble. There's this, like, your body actually releases some dopamine in this moment. And you get, like, this little high from doing this. And then you go to your car, and it's awesome, and you save 30 seconds. And then the next day, you open up your door. You walk outside. Good morning, world. You know you should do that, but nothing wasn't bad when I did it yesterday. No one got mad at me. The grass looks great still. Boom, and you go for it. Okay, you thought about it a little bit. Then the next day, you wake up. Good morning, world. It's the morning, okay? Um, and then today, you don't even think about it and you just go for it. Here's the thing. The decisions that we make over time, it just, they, they get entrenched. We actually, our brain is in a way where we, our brain gets wired, and we create neuropathways. And so we make the decisions that we wanted now, and it might have been hard at first to make that decision, um, but over time it becomes automatic to make those things. But then we look back 15 days later, and our dad yells at us, because he can see that we've just been trampling through his Bermuda grass this whole time. And we have the pain of regret. It's hard to keep us from doing what we want now. Because when we make those decisions, they just become so entrenched in us. And we just keep, this is why if you have people who, um, a lot of the patterns, honestly, a lot of the patterns you guys set in high school, they will come back to haunt you in the future. Okay, so often if you trace people who have extramarital affairs when they get older, often you can trace 
um, some promiscuity and you can trace. Um, they just had just a ton of unhealthy relationship in high school. And so you might say, I want, what I want most is to have a healthy relationship when I get older, but now it doesn't matter. No, now you, you're totally getting these pathways into your life that God can heal and God wants to, um, but we need to know that they exist. Okay, so um, here's what we're going to talk about. Um, when we choose the pain of discipline, there's three things that happen. The first thing, when you choose to do what you want most over what you want now, the first thing is sometimes you'll look silly. You, right? I will look silly. Um, so I told you the story uh, about how those people made fun of me when I was in junior high because I had chicken legs when I would wear shorts and we'd play basketball. And um, here's the deal. What happened after they made fun of me and said that, uh, I went home and I wanted to become the best basketball player at Linda Vista Elementary. Um, anyone go to Linda Vista? Great. <laughs> I could be lying about the school. So I wanted to be the best, and so I went home, and here, here's what I did. I like, talked to my dad. My dad played basketball all throughout college, and so he just took me in the backyard, and we just started playing. And I would shoot like this, okay? Kind of like a celebration. Yay! Anyone shoot the basket like this? Okay, here's the deal. I, I would shoot the basket like this, but here's the deal. And I would make it, like, like maybe like 30% of the time I'd make it when I would shoot it like this. But here's the deal. That's not how you shoot a basketball. Okay, how do you shoot a basketball? You shoot a basketball like this. Okay, so what my dad did is he took me into the backyard and he said, and I was like, here's how I do it. He's like, no, wrong. He took the basketball away from me then and he had me just stand there. And he said, for 15 minutes, you're just going to do this. Like I was waving down a taxi. Okay, then 15 minutes later, you're going to add your hand. And then tomorrow, we're going to add a ball. Right? So I'm just in my backyard like doing this, and it looks ridiculous. And sometimes when you choose discipline, when you choose not when you, when, when you say, I don't want to just do what I want now and what I'm feeling, what I'm desiring, I'm going to choose what I want most, you can look ridiculous, and your friends might think you're crazy. There's this guy, his name is Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, um, he goes to Judah after Judah has been decimated because it has been taken into captivity um, in Babylon. Uh, and so he goes back to Judah, um, and this is like the year... 587, if you care. Um, and, oh yeah, that's right. Um, and, and so uh, he, he comes back and he sees that Jerusalem has just been decimated. The walls are gone. And he comes back and he sees it and he feels like God is calling him to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild it. But he has a lot of people that think what he's doing is silly and think what he's doing is ridiculous. This is the second point. I will have critics. When you choose discipline over regret, you'll have critics. You'll have people that are like, that's dumb. Why are you doing that? Why are you waiting? Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you going there? Uh, and they might not say it out loud, but they might say it in how, how much they include you in the future. They might say it in their body language. And so Nehemiah, he has these people um, who are really hating on him rebuilding Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is up here, and he's building the wall of Jerusalem. And people keep coming to him, and they keep saying, dude, you, come, come meet with us. We really, we, and, and they want to pull him off the wall. They want to keep him from doing the work. And so they say things like, hey, I think we can put this on the screen. Um, these people come and they say this to him. On the next slide, they say, when Shabalot, oh, that's one before. Yeah, fun names. When, oh, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of the four enemies, he has these four people that are really ticking him off, heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no more breaks in it. So they would keep coming to him. They'd keep trying to, to tear him down, trying to keep him from doing the work he was doing. And they wanted him to leave the wall. Um, though I hadn't even installed the gates, um, Sambalot and Geshem sent this message. Come and meet with us. 
I confirm, in the Valley of Ono. Hold on. Never go to the Valley of Ono if people want you to go there. Um, so if you're a people pleaser like me and you have these enemies who are just like calling you out and saying like what you're doing is stupid and you need to just come down, like what would you do? Well, maybe I'll go meet with them because maybe I can make them like me. Maybe I can go meet with them because I can tell them why what I'm doing, why it's really important, and you know, or, or, or yeah, like maybe I can go visit them um, and 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 make them accept me. Um, finally, he responds, um, and he says this: I knew they were scheming to hurt me. The last time they start spreading this rumor about Nehemiah that he like wants to be king, and they're just trying to trash him and tear him down. Uh, again, whenever you're doing anything for God and anything that will grow you, you will have critics. Whenever you're doing anything for God or anything that will grow you into the person God wants you to be, you will have critics. You should expect it. It should not surprise you. Like moments when you're like, I want to be on student leadership team. I want to be on the worship team. Or I want to come to church more. Like I, I, I want to be a representative of Christ at my school. And I want to love people. Like whenever you say that, whenever there's forward momentum that you say you want to be about for Christ and his kingdom, you will have critics. You will have critics. And so it shouldn't surprise you. Um, so finally, he responds to his critics and he says, I knew they were scheming against me, so I sent messengers back with this. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down, which I really love that. I'm doing a great work. He's starting to see that the walls of Jerusalem are rebuilt, and he sees God's faithfulness, and he sees that God is using him, and he can see that there's just momentum that's building, and he can see that he's in his calling, that he's where he's supposed to be, that he's in his purpose that God has created him for, and he believes that he's doing something so good he's not going to come down. And you might have moments like this, right, where people... I don't know, like, like they, they, they want you like, to, to cheat on these tests, and they want you to be that type of person. And you say, no, I'm doing a good work. I, I, I'm trying to be someone who, because I know the, the way that I, that I study and the way that I'm faithful here, it's going to impact how I'm faithful in the future, and I'm not going to cheat because I'm doing a great work right now. I'm not going to come down to your level. You might have people who make fun of you because you're trying to stay pure until marriage, or you're trying to like, have boundaries in your relationships, and they might make fun of you or trash you or think it's confusing, but you can stand up and say, I'm doing a great work here. I'm not going to come down to your level because what I'm doing is so good, and God is so here. Like You might have people who make fun of you for like not going out to lunch and spending money because you want to give offering to save like little children um, like, like through world vision and you can know you're doing a great work you don't need to come down people are going to try to distract you and derail you when you choose discipline over um, what you want now choosing discipline over regret um, and so we there's a couple things that I want to talk about as we kind of finish up um, what do we do with what we want now what do we do with like, but I really want to do this. Like I really feel like I should do this, but I know it's not good. Here's the thing I think we do. I think sometimes we bring God the best version of ourself. So like the super Christian, like I have my Bible in my hand. I look really good and I'm at church on Sundays. And we bring Jesus that and we say, yay. Or we bring Jesus our really good desires. Like we bring him the desire to read the Bible. And we bring him the desire to have healthy friendships. And we bring him the good desires but we don't bring God all of our desires. In the Garden of Eden, Jesus brings the Father all of his desires. Um, if you guys know what happens there, he basically says, if it's possible, if it's possible, would this cup be taken from me? Would this cup, would, this, would I not have to go through with this, Father? But not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus is honest about how he's feeling. Jesus is fully human and fully God which means that like the fight or flight, like I don't want to be killed part, like Jesus has that. And so Jesus is honest with the Father. He says, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through with this. 
I'm not feeling this. See, the, there's a difference between how, like your strongest desire, what you want now, and your, and your deepest desire, what you want most. Jesus' strongest desire in that moment, it might have been just like self-preservation. But his deepest desire, his deepest desire was to go to the cross. And so this week, what I want you to do, when you're not feeling it, when you want to do things that you know you shouldn't, don't hide those things from God. Tell him about it. Tell him, I want a girlfriend, God. I want to be in a relationship, God. God, I want to be out of a relationship, right? God, I, re- I really want, like, I'm feeling like I want to lust right now, God. Like, why do, you keep, why do we filter to a God that already knows everything that we're thinking? Bring God your desires. God, I don't want to do my homework. God, I'm angry with my parents. God, I don't like the person I'm becoming. Like, just bring God your desires. Be honest with him. Be honest with him. This is our final point here. So you can put, um, be honest with God about what you want now. We don't even have that on the slide. Um, And this is our last thing. Remember that Jesus chose what he wanted most over what he wanted now. I'll say it again. (laughs) Jesus chose what he wanted most over, over what he wanted now. Three times Jesus says, if there's any other way but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus' deepest desire, what he wanted most, and this is the awesome part, his deepest desire, what he wanted most, was you. Jesus gave up what he wanted now for what he wanted most, and what he wanted most was you. In Hebrews it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You never wonder what that joy is? The joy is you. He gave up what he wanted now, for you. And because of that, because of that, you now, in response, get to say, Jesus, I want to I honor you with my life, and I want to respond to your grace by choosing what you want for me most over what I want now. So, um, hey, as we go into some small groups, a couple questions. Um, what do you want most this fall? What do you want most? Maybe you should ask it this way. What do you think Jesus wants for you most? What do you think Jesus wants for you most? Okay, so maybe just take a second, write that down. What do you think Jesus wants for you most this fall? Maybe just spend a moment asking him. Maybe it's for you to have healthy friendships. Maybe it's for you to, like, to, to be with him and his word. Maybe it's for you to serve other people. Maybe it's for you to be bold and walk across the room and talk to people who you don't know. Um, what do you think Jesus wants most for you? So we're just going to take like uh, uh, 30 seconds here and, and write that down. What do you think Jesus wants most for you this fall? And then you can answer, what do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most? All right. So once again... This year you have two choices. You can choose what you want now, or you can choose what you want most. You can choose um, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Um, And here's the thing. When you choose it, you're going to look silly. You're going to look weird. Let's just throw out the idea that being a Christian isn't weird. Like, you're going to be, you're going to look silly. You're going to have critics. But it's a good work. It's what you were created for. And this is a community that we can remind each other that it's a good work and that Christ has called us to it because he did the greatest work for us on the cross. Amen?
I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go to small groups. Jesus, thank you that you chose what was difficult and hard to rescue us and save us. And now you invite us to be disciplined, to be disciples, people who follow you with our life. So, Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. Pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, as you go to small groups, we're going to continue to go to small groups. Uh, Two things. Well on Wednesday, 7 to 9.